You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We live in uh, a just an unusual and, and uneasy time right now in the United States and want to address those issues. So uh, today we're recording an interview with uh, some of our friends here at the LCMS on the very issues going on in our country. Uh, recording this on Tuesday afternoon to share with you Wednesday morning. Uh, thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Roosevelt Gray, Director of LCMS Black Ministry. Dr. Gray, thanks for being our guest today on the Coffee Hour. It's wonderful being with you today, Andy. Sarah. And you're coming to us from uh, from the Detroit area of Michigan, right? Correct. Well, glad to have you along with us today. Uh, how are things in the Detroit area today? Uh, it's a hot and humid day today. <laughs> had rain last night, but things are going well. Uh, had some uh, protesting downtown, but uh, a few incidents with that. But other than that, things are going great. Good, good. And the Reverend Dr. Steve Shave. Uh, Steve is the director of uh, LCMS Urban and Inner City Mission and Church Planting and also host of Mission Field USA, a podcast right here on KFUO. Dr. Shave, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. And uh, Dr. Shave comes to us from St. Louis, so right here at the LCMS International Center in St. Louis. Um, things are uh, are uh, what? How are things here in St. Louis for you, Steve? Yeah, we had a very challenging night uh, last night. A lot of the unrest and the frustrations that are spilling over, and unfortunately, uh, you know, resulted in some destruction. And uh, it's always always difficult to see when it spills out like that. Dr. Gray, how would you describe what we're experiencing in the United States today? Well, I I think what uh, Brother Shave said, there is this unrest concerning uh, policing and in, in, uh, particularly uh, communities of color, and particularly in the Black community. Um, there seems to be this... Uh, Tension over how do we uh, address these kinds of issues and and uh, what can we do as community leaders, churches, the government, the police department? How do we address uh, what we see that's happening on so many in so many areas on the streets here in America? And I think we do have something to say about that, but it's very difficult to say because oftentimes uh, we have a sense of partisanship in our in our language and our visions of, of how we address these issues. And we need to get past that so we can address them in a way in which uh, we all can understand that we're in this together as Americans and uh, as Christians and as citizens, and that we can address the problems and really do something about it to make changes happen in our communities. Absolutely. What has been your experience over the last years uh, with with circumstances such as systemic racism and civil un- unrest as as we've seen recently? Well, you know, you always come to these these issues uh, carrying three or four different bags. Uh, number one, uh, you come to it uh, uh, 
uh, understanding the people that you serve who are in those communities, how often they find themselves uh, in situations with the authorities and, and, and how do they address that and how do we help them to address that. Uh, number two, from your own personal uh, background, you come to it uh, uh, oftentimes not living in those communities. So you don't have a, a clear picture of exactly how those uh, relationships bear out, because oftentimes if you're not living in those communities, then you're not up against those kinds of relationships with the authorities. Uh, for myself, it comes in a historic uh, standpoint where I grew up in in, in the segregated South in Montgomery, Alabama, and so saw a lot of this, didn't experience a lot of it personally, but I'm sure my parents did and the grownups uh, who lived in those communities did. I was in Montgomery, was only about three or four years old when Dr. Martin Luther King came to the city and when Rosa Parks then uh, refused to move off to the back of the bus and and the whole, uh, the Montgomery uh, boycott it took place, so I was there uh, didn't participate in a lot of it because I was too young to, but I'm sure my parents did and, and those adults around me did. How did your parents speak to you about uh, and speak with you about the circumstances of those times? Well, you know, it was fascinating. Uh, I mean, we lived in, uh, you know, we were the working poor, like all working poor, uh, black and whites living in the same communities. Uh, yet it was a segregated community. You know, we went to different schools, different parks. We, you know, uh, sat at different counters and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and I can remember one experience. We lived next door to an elderly white couple, and and uh, and 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 he was just just an an out and out bigot. You know, I mean, he just couldn't stand blacks, and yet he was our next door neighbor's wife. His wife was a wonderful person, but he would always use the N word and always threaten uh, us kids with guns and all of that. And, you know, my father would call the police and they would come out and they would talk to him and, and, and address the issues and tell him not to do that and leave. And, and he settled down for a little while, but then, he, you know, he, he'd get back up again, being cranky and doing silly things like that. My father always simply said that don't let other people determine how you react to situations and circumstances in life. And so I was always taught then to step back from, from really uh, looking at this as anything but what it is, a person who has some issues in his own life and perhaps can't address those issues himself. And so he needs to take it out on somebody else. And, and so that's the way I, I kind of have always dealt with these kinds of things uh, uh, in my life. And, and, you know, as a middle-class American now living in kind of the suburb communities, oftentimes you don't see these interactions in those communities. But when you do go in the city, because you, you most of the ministry ministries that I do in the city, you see those kinds of things. So I've learned how to step back and try to think it through and then to try to simply address it in a way in which you can kind of de-escalate uh, the situation that's going on with the person who's addressing you in such a negative way and trying to help him to see through what his issues are and that we can address these issues from another standpoint and not from violence. Dr. Shave, what, what's been your experience with the, the circumstances of, uh, with systemic racism and, and, and civil unrest? Yeah, I mean, it was not too long after becoming the director for Urban and Inner City Mission that uh, things happened in Ferguson 
and then uh, later on uh, helped in Baltimore. And, you know, Roosevelt and I both were there uh, on the streets uh, talking to people. And I think it is easy for us to just think of this as, you know, those are just pixels on a screen. These are just sound bites uh, that you hear on the news. But these are real flesh and blood people. And when we went uh, to be with the folks that were there, they were truly hurting and they were grieving. And no matter what the circumstance, uh, when a young man uh, dies, it's a tragedy. And you look at how we respond in love and we try to understand why folks are hurting, why they're upset. So, you know, we spent the time to listen, uh, to pray. Uh, we spent the time with, uh, I remember one dad that was with us in Ferguson that said, you know, his daughters were terrified to even come out of the house because of all the unrest that was taking place. And would we as pastors be willing to just surround them and pray with them and to, you know, hear what people were saying and to be part of the solution, you know. So we sat down with uh, folks from the community, uh, folks uh, that were leaders in the area, just trying to understand how can we be peacemakers rather than to further the divide how do we as a church body uh, find our rightful place to understand the hurts but also to figure out what are the underlying tensions that have led up to this it's it's always more than just one event that's taken place um, you know it is an ongoing issue where people feel as though uh, they have been um, either oppressed or there is some prejudice and it is the sin of racism. Um, it is to treat others differently just solely based on the color of their skin. So, so many times, though, what leads to that unrest um, is something uh, in terms of the tension that's been building. But there are real solutions to that, you know, whether it's um, the issue of housing or employment, um, whether it's uh, an issue of education systems. Um, there are ways that we can make a difference to help to alleviate some of those uh, tensions that are continually building in our inner cities. How important is it for us to uh, take a step back and listen when we uh, are encountered with these issues that are happening around us today? You mentioned that that was a, a one of the first reactions in, in Baltimore was to just listen. How important is that? Is that step to just hear what people have to say? Yeah, it's easy for us when we're not going through it ourselves to dismiss, to write it off, um, to deny whatever it might be, uh, and not necessarily in a in a in intent way of doing it, but still um, people want to be heard. Um, people want to have a voice. And we do have uh, the opportunity as the church to speak against injustice and sin and, um, you know, look inwardly at ourselves and see where it is that we uh, personally, each and individual heart and soul uh, needs to seek repentance if we have in any way uh, found prejudice against our brothers. Um, and again, it's it's easy for us to to think of this in, in a way that's not uh, in a full humanity. So, you know, I do remember that it kind of went from grieving to becoming more and more anger and from both sides. And it just became so polarizing. And one of the things that I remember hearing was language such as animals, thugs, pigs. And I started to think in my own, you know, inner city work that I did, um, why 
are we doing this? Why are we speaking that kind of language? And why is it that we go to this dehumanizing of another person? And it's so that we can justify this hatred that we have in our hearts. You know, that's what we want to do is justify why we're angry, why we hate, why we don't want to love our enemies. But for me, in the most simple terms, I remember as an inner city pastor, and we had a child care center, and I would have three and four-year-olds sitting on my lap. And, um, you know, you don't think of all these young African-American children as thugs or animals or pigs. These are God's children created in his image. And you think, which one of these children might grow up to be the next Michael Brown, um, the next uh, George Floyd, which which of these children might be the next police officer killed in line of duty there to protect others? And what can I personally do to make a difference, even if it's in the life of just one child growing up in the inner city? Um, so it's important to hear, but it's also important to, to really understand why do we sometimes speak in ways of hatred towards our fellow man and realize that we are all created in the image of God. We are all brothers and sisters. Um, we are all children of Adam and Eve, and that also includes our own original sin. Words certainly are are powerful and have great meaning. And, and some of the, the words that you use that were, were very powerful and hurtful um, are, are maybe not in all of our, you know, not in, in, in our vocabulary every day, but... What about the words they and them and we and us and how we use those words? Uh, that can be powerful too. Yeah, I remember one time um, our congregation was a commuter congregation in the city, um, primarily did not reflect the neighborhood around us, but we made a lot of um, advancement uh, in that way of really reaching out to the community, caring and loving for our neighbor. Um, and it, it resulted in more and more people from the community joining the congregation. I remember somebody coming and, and asking me that question, Andy. They said, so what did you do to reach them? And, you know, that <laughs> for me, that, that hit me like a ton of bricks that there is this thought that there is an us and there is a them. And, you know, for many people um, that might go to the congregation that feel like they came into our community and they pushed us out. And why would we want to reach out to those people, um, we have to see our own reflection before God's eyes, you know, how we are all sinful. We are all habitual sinners. We are all, you know, people that are um, solely saved by the very grace of God. So there is no us and them. Um, we are all equally God's children, and we are all equally uh, sinners who have to stand before God as our judge uh, for our sins against one another. So, yeah, that needs to be broken down um, by the law, that there is an us and a them. Um, we are all one humanity. And I think Satan has been really at work in terms of that, you know, how he knows how to divide us in so many different ways in terms of our humanity. But we know that there's only one place that can unite humanity together, and it is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is through the holy uh, Christian church that we are baptized in a, a union like no other, that we come to communion and we become one loaf and one 
cup. And it's just so interesting that we're coming out of all of these lockdowns and being separated and divided. And it's almost as if Satan, he knows where the one place is that we can go that can unite us together. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Roosevelt Gray, LCMS Director of Black Ministry, and the Reverend Dr. Stephen Shaved, LCMS Director of Urban and Inner City Mission and Church Planting, host of Mission Field USA. We need to take a quick break. When we come back from that, we'll continue our conversation right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Roosevelt Gray, LCMS Director of Black Ministry, and the Reverend Dr. Stephen Shave, LCMS Director of Urban and Inner City Mission and Church Planting on current events here in the United States, particularly looking at the, the issues of systemic racism and civil unrest across the United States. Uh, Pastor Gray, before we went to break, we were talking about the just the words that we use and how that shapes our thought. And uh, the, just using the words us and them or we and they or those, how do you see words like that impacting um, our mindset? Does it shape what we think or is it merely a reflection of what we think or maybe a combination? I think it's a combination. And then what happens with the words, then the, the receiver of those words oftentimes will will take those words and translate those words from his own perspective. And oftentimes, if you're in a depressed community, you're in a community where things are happening that they're out of your control, you can't do very much about them, then you take those words as words of anger, words of hurt towards you and uh, and who you are. Uh, yet, you know, I, I think about as, as what Dr. Shave said in, in our last discussion concerning words and I, I, he and I, we were sitting talking, uh, and I remember a pastor came by and he said, uh, in Ferguson, and he said, slugs for thugs. And it just took me aback when he said that because I thought, wow, now that's not how we respond with the gospel. Uh, you know, uh, as Pastor Save said, we're all sinners. Sinners do what sinners do best, they sin. But our first inclination is, is not to think of them as so sinful that we need to, you know, kill them or put them away. Uh, so words matter uh, and words do hurt. And I think when you're, when you're growing up in a community, a depressed community, a community where you've been undereducated, a community where you, your housing uh, is, is, is not up to par, a community where uh, you don't have jobs. So if you do have jobs, they're very, uh, you know, minimum jobs where you're making a minimum wage, you can't take care of yourself. You have to have three or four jobs. And then for those who have to say words like that, it really hurts in that community. 
But words oftentimes can't be taken back when we say these things. Then people process those in their hearts and their minds and they hold on to them. And then they address you from what you've said to them or they look at you from what the words you've spoken out of your mouth. And then uh, there's a sense of credibility now. Can I trust you because of here's the thing you've said in the past and the way you acted in the past. Now you're asking me to trust that you're going to do something differently. I think one of the things that we have to address in, in, in America is the injustices in, in those communities. Uh, you know, we can go in, we can do a lot of things, but if we don't address the injustices of, of uh, undereducating people, under jobs, uh, health care, all of the things that are going on. And I, I know as a church, we can't address those things ourselves as far as providing those resources. Uh, but I think we have to work with our government elected officials to to champion the cause for these communities, uh, uh, underserved communities, and bring to the table the resources that they need to be uh, caring communities, to be serving communities, to be communities that can take care of their families and their kids, and community who could pay their own way by getting them quality jobs, education. And as, a, as the church, you know, I mean, the things that we do best is word and sacrament ministry education and mercy ministry. So we do have an opportunity with those kinds of things to bring to those communities some great resources that we have. Naturally, the preaching of the gospel and reminding them that they have self-worth uh, in the eyes of God because God's son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for their sins. And no matter where they live, who they are, what color they are, Jesus died for their sins on Calvary's cross. And in his resurrection, God has given them a living hope. Even though they feel like they're hopeless, they do have hope in Christ. And so the preaching of the gospel in those communities is very important that we continue to be there and preach the good news of the gospel. One of the great issues that we've had in the last 50 years, uh, most of our uh, Anglo-Lutherans have fled the cities and have left behind uh, struggling churches and, and small congregations who are trying to maintain these large buildings and, and trying to carry out the work of the gospel uh, uh, alone by themselves. And so I think we need to go back in and help them to do that. And we can do that because we have the resources to make that happen. Quality education, uh, mercy ministries where we can we can help people to uh, identify their own uh, needs and then to help them find resources to address those needs in those communities. I, I think the church is the only hope for what is happening in our society and our world today. I think the government can come alongside of us and can do some things. But at the end of the day, I don't think the government has a long-term solution to building families and, and, and relationships. So then what does scripture tell us about bringing the gospel to people and sharing Christ's love to everyone in order that we can live out our vocations and, and serve our neighbors? Well, I like uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17, where Paul speaks about the gospel being the power of God into salvation to anyone who believes it, you know, to the Jew, to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, he said, that God has declared himself to be right with us. I don't think we can be right with one another if we can't see it through the gospel, because we're always going to be suspicious about one another if we try to do it with outside of the gospel. The government can bring financial resources to the table, but it can't make people love one another. Only the gospel can teach us how to love each other because God loves us uh, through, through the death of, and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. That's why I said the church is very important in, in this whole aspect of uh of building communities and building relationships and and building lives and and changing how people look at one another in these communities 
And my, my prayer is that as the church, then we will always keep the gospel as preeminent of what we do. And then alongside of that, we bring in mercy ministry, we bring in education, we bring in all of the other kinds of things that make healthy communities, generational communities healthy. But it has to start with the good news because that's where God brings all of us to the foot of the cross and all of our relationships is the same, that we all sinners in the need of a savior and there's only one savior and that savior is Jesus Christ. And as we get up from the foot of the cross together, we can walk back as brothers and sisters in these communities. And then we could, bear with one another, we can love one another, we can forgive one another, we can reconcile to one another, and we can get on about serving and caring and building up families and communities. Hmm. So what is, what's just one thing, uh, I'd like to hear from each of you on this, we have just a couple of minutes left, um, we'll start with uh, Roosevelt, what's just one thing that that I can do today? And, and with so many congregations not able to meet in person, um, but some are just now starting to meet in person. What's one thing I can do this week um, that may help change, um, maybe help me look at um, my own perspective or help me um, bring that gospel, the love of Jesus uh, to, uh, to someone else? Well, with the pandemic, there's not a whole lot you could do because, you know, you got your mask on and you can't, you can't talk very much. But I, but I think the one thing you can do is identify a, a person that God has put in your, in your midst. If you're out and about doing things and just simply uh, say to that person, God loves you. I love you. And uh, we're all in this together. And uh, let's pray that God will help us to see the love of Christ and uh, through, throughout the love of Christ through our eyes to the people that he has called us to serve. Uh, that's what I try to do every place I go. I try to let somebody that day that I've come into contact with, let them know that God loves them. Now, some people will, 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 will say thank you. Now, some people don't like that, but at least I've done my job of letting them know that there is a God who loves them. Steve, what's one thing that, uh, that we can do today? For me, I'd say think of it in the terms of the parable of the sower, you know, uh, talking about plowing the field and planting the seed of the gospel. I know for me in Ferguson, uh, right there at the epicenter of where everything happened at the quick trip, that was kind of, you want to talk about hard soil. I mean, it literally was nothing left but a parking lot made of concrete. And for me, it was just amazing when I went back a few months later as they were getting ready to put in a brand new community center, um, right in the middle of this parking lot. It was not a weed, Andy. There was a tree growing up out of the middle of the asphalt. And I really thought about what had gone on before that happened and how we were there praying. We were there handing out a cup of water. We were there on the cleanup days for the folks that were affected that had small businesses. We were there for a day of hope where we gave out 18 tons of food to children in North County. And there in Ferguson, there was a day of hope where literally thousands of people were walking around with LCMS bags that were filled with supplies to help the children in need. You didn't see that on the news, but all of those things were plowing the soil so that we could plant the seed. And I would just say, don't give up hope on the fact that we can with the gospel, make a difference. I don't care how hard that soil is. Think about that parking lot and how in the middle of a piece of concrete, a tree sprouted up. And that's what God 
can do when we plow the field, we show mercy and love to our neighbor, and we plant the seed of the gospel. The Reverend Dr. Stephen Shave, LCMS Director of Urban and Inner City Mission and Church Planting, host of Mission Field USA podcast right here on KFUO. Dr. Shave, thanks for being our guest. Thank you. The Reverend Dr. Roosevelt Gray, LCMS Director of Black Ministry, thank you so much for being our guest today and uh, helping us work through these really important issues. Thank you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.